Well, good morning, Crossroads Baptist Church family, and thank you for um, joining us for our live stream service. Blessings to you on this beautiful, sunny, spring Lord's Day. I am excited to look to the Word of God uh, with you this morning, and I trust that God has been at work in your life um, this past week, and I trust that you have been receptive um, to that working. I realize this has been a very difficult week for our community, and I want you all to know uh, that um, you have been and are being prayed for. In this difficult time, May you be comforted with the hope of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to mention, if anyone would like to um, donate to the families um, of the victims in this week's um, past tragic events, uh, you can visit novascotiaremembers.ca for approved GoFundMe campaigns, and you can also visit the RCMP's website uh, to donate to the Fallen Officer Fund in memory of Constable Stevenson. And we as a church are standing with you all, and we are here for you. Please email, call, or message us if you need anything, our information can be found at valleycrossroadschurch.com. And please be mindful um, of those words this morning. I want to, in regards to this past week and what we as a community and what we as a province have gone through, and what these families have had to endure, I want to read a passage of scripture as a um, blessing to you all this morning. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. And may the Lord continue 
to comfort those who are in need this morning in our community. I want to uh, now share some announcements in regards to some um, every day or every week things that are happening here at Crossroads. Um, the first is our ladies group. Um, if you haven't already listened in to um, what has been um, being shared every Tuesday evening, um, and if you're a lady, I encourage you to check that out. Uh, you can see Martha, or you can't see them, but you can contact them, Martha, uh, Sue, and uh, Dana, to get in on that, um, on that Facebook group where the ladies uh, have been reading through the scriptures and sharing um, through that. Secondly, um, our men's group as well. Um, we meet virtually every Thursday evening, and I want to encourage the men listening to um, become a part of that. Um, we've been studying The Exemplary Husband by Stuart Scott. Really good resource, um, not just something that we can uh, read and put on our shelf, but I believe it's something that we can um, constantly reference uh, as men and as husbands uh, and fathers into how we are to be men of God. And we've been meeting on Zoom for that, so if you can... Um, if you can join us, we'd love to have you. Uh, we'd love to um, learn and grow together because we've been studying this and it has been a blessing, I know, to my heart and to those who, are, um, those who have been learning. Uh, thirdly, I want to encourage you as a church family to stay connected. This is a, a situation that we're in, um, in, this, in this pandemic, uh, to be... Uh, a temptation or even it has the potential for us to be discouraged and for us to dis distance each other um, to become distant and I want to encourage you to stay connected with your church family um, lean into your Savior lean into the word and abide in his word and call someone call each other stay connected um, not only to your church family, but, but to the Word, um, to your Savior. Um, this is a, a time where we want to practice social distancing and, and we want to adhere to those guidelines um, that our government has set in place. Um, but we still want to um, practice the unity in the body of Christ. And uh, I want to encourage you to stay connected. Don't isolate yourself um, in regards to um, speaking with someone or conversing with someone, stay connected uh, as much as you can with someone. And lastly, another, uh, just a quick announcement is, is to, to stay in the Word. Um, stay in the Word. This is a time where we're faced with temptations, as I said before, um, to become distant in various areas in our life, but may, may we not become distant or isolated from the Scriptures. So I want to encourage you to, to stay in the Word. Um, and that's all I had in regards to some um, announcements. I'd like to now um, give a little call to worship. Uh, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Psalm 23 for our call to worship. Perhaps you know this so well that you could quote it. 
but uh, nonetheless, we're going to read Psalm 23. Psalm 23 says the following. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May the Lord again bless the public reading of his word. And we um, wish and pray and hope that more of the word of God um, goes forth into our hearts, into our communities. We believe in the truth of the word of God. And we believe that God's word can be applied to each and every situation. And it can bring hope and light in each and every situation as well. And may the Lord bless his word this morning. Uh, we want to praise him. Please turn with me uh, again in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We've been studying the book of 1 Thessalonians beginning last week. And we're going to be looking at chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 helps us answer a certain question that we might ask as believers in Christ today. The title of this message, if you're taking notes, is What Does Successful Ministry Look Like? What Does Successful Ministry Look Like? And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we see a lot of foundational building blocks to help shape a successful ministry. Now we, we define success as being something that brings glory to God and brings about the purpose of what it is. So when we think of a successful ministry, we think of a ministry that brings glory to God and succeeds in being salt and light in a community. Successful ministry hinges on the church. And in 1 Thessalonians 2, we see so many interesting, important principles that point to us and answer the question of what does successful ministry look like. Now, there are 
so many in this chapter. We're not going to be able to look at them all. But I, I would like to list them for you if you are taking notes. The first one is successful ministry requires bold gospel proclamation. Requires bold gospel proclamation. Secondly, successful ministry involves sincerity. Successful ministry involves sincerity. Thirdly, it denounces man-pleasing. It denounces man-pleasing. Fourthly, it requires love. Fifthly, it requires selflessness. Next, we see that it requires work. It needs character. It needs exhortation. It needs encouragement. It flows from the Word of God. And it endures persecution. Now, I realize I went a little fast there if you're writing them down. I will post that list um, after the message on our Facebook page for those of you who want to see that. Now, as I said, we're not going to be able to get to all 11 of those today by any means. We're going to try to get to a couple. Um, they're all seen in chapter 2. And we see here uh, in this chapter, amongst these principles, a, a recap of the church planting team's involvement in interaction with the process of planting this Thessalonian church. Now this team is made up of primarily Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And it was custom for Paul's letters to contain some background information. And this is the case here in chapter 2 when, we, when he gives us kind of a, a bird's eye view of the establishment of this local church. Okay? The, this establishment of this Thessalonian church is explained more so in Acts chapter 17. It occurred during Paul's second missionary journey. And, and this recap so clearly, so glaringly obvious, shows us what successful ministry looks like. And if you've ever wondered what successful ministry looks like, then 1 Thessalonians 2 is for you. But I want to preamble this by saying, oftentimes today, those who are in ministry are often defined as Pastors, missionaries, and other spiritual leaders. Ministry worker often gets limited to those who are, are paid to do it. Or to do full-time ministry. Or part-time ministry. And while it is a biblical principle that we have the office of pastor and shepherd, elder. Ministry is not limited to... Just those people. Okay? And this is seen in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 proves to us this point starting in verse 11. Now Ephesians 4 is 
the beginning of the second half of the book of Ephesians. We've been studying it in our weekly uh, small group that happens on our YouTube channel. And we've been learning a lot about the book of Ephesians. In chapter 4, Paul transitions from being primarily theological or doctrinal, moving into more practical ministry applications. And the first part of chapter 4 is talking about the unity in the body of Christ and how that's supposed to be Christocentric. Because of Christ, we can be unified as a body of believers. And he points to two verses here, he says, that, that help us understand what it means to be in ministry. Okay, and who is in ministry? Ephesians 4.11 says this, And he gave, that word gave means to appoint or to assign. He, talking about God the Father, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. Verse 12 says, To equip, the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Okay, now let's define some terms here. This word to equip means to make adequate. It actually means to completely make adequate, to completely make sufficient. So when he equipped it, he made completely adequate and sufficient whom well he says the saints the saints that word means holy or sacred ones it means God's people he made completely adequate and sufficient God's people for what for the work that word work is the same Greek word work that's used in 1 Thessalonians 1 that talks about the work of faith and it means the task the action of what? Of ministry, meaning service. So to read it in light of our definitions, the reason why he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers was to help equip or to make completely adequate the saints, God's people, for the action of service. And this passage points to us many different things. One being that we are all, as believers in Christ, in ministry. Now, just looking at a little bit of a rabbit trail here on this word equipped. He gave to equipped, to make completely adequate. And oftentimes when we're proving that we're all in ministry, someone may say, well, I'm just not good enough to do fill in the blank. And I love you, but you're right. We are not good enough in ourselves to do this. That's why this word equipped, which means to make completely adequate, is so important. He did that. He makes what and who is inadequate and insufficient. Adequate and sufficient. For what? Not just to sit and say, it's great to be part of the family of God, but to actually do something. Every born-again believer, saint of God, 
is in full-time ministry of God. Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, evoking action. Not just pastors. The word brothers here means church of God, speaking of the saints, but the brethren, meaning the church. We are to all present ourselves as a living sacrifice. All believers are called to do something for God. All believers are in some form of ministry. Okay? Now I'll ask you the question. As the Lord has been asking the question to me, how are you doing in your ministry? Are you succeeding in your ministry? What is even successful ministry? What does that look like? And I am so excited that you're wondering the same thing I'm wondering this morning. Because I would like to point out some key things here in 1 Thessalonians 2 that answer those questions for us. The first one being, successful ministry requires bold gospel proclamation. 1 Thessalonians 2 verses 1 and 2. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, Acts chapter 17, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. The word boldness here means to have courage in the face of danger or opposition. To have courage in the face of danger or opposition. And the word declare here means to proclaim. So this, this church planting team, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, had, had boldly proclaimed the gospel to those in Thessalonica. Now this itself is a wonderful truth and an applicable one. But when we pair it with the context of this verse... It means so much more because it's paired with words like suffered, shamefully treated, and conflict. The word suffered here, it evokes unpleasantness. Shamefully treated, this word, this phrase rather, means to maltreat. Now maltreat means to, to take, to treat cruelly with violence, rude or dis disrespectful behavior. They were shamefully treated in the midst of much conflict. Now Acts chapter 17 and the latter part of Acts chapter 16 reveal to us what exactly they went through. Okay, The context of, of this ministry team's gospel proclamation was not easy and it was not pleasant. It was a direct fulfillment of John 16.33 where Christ says, In this world you will have 
trial, tribulation, trouble. A direct fulfillment of that passage. Now, philosophically, one, can be, one cannot be bold unless there is an entity to be bold against. And I make no mistake, this is always the case with you and I. Because we always have an enemy that rules against us to be bold. Paul, Silas, and Timothy found this to be the case. They faced a direct example of what the proud heart of what the unrepentant sinner is capable of. And even though they were suffering, being shamefully treated in the midst of much conflict, they were bold to proclaim the gospel. And they declared it. See, they faced Ephesians 6.12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. They not only fulfilled John 16.33, where Christ says you're going to have trouble, but they fulfilled Ephesians 6.12, showing that they were being faced with the epitome of the enemy. But yet, they boldly declared the gospel still. And in doing so, they model to us what successful ministry is. Successful ministry is not seeing how long we can hide the truth. Boldness is not sugarcoating the truth to make it something we want. And in doing so, we make it less truthful. It isn't abandoning the truth at the first sign of trouble. Instead, successful ministry is boldly declaring, proclaiming the truth. We see that here in verses 1 and 2. And secondly, successful ministry involves sincerity. Look at verse 3. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. Paul says, for our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. The word appeal here means encouragement. And listen to the, the definition of these words that he uses here. Error means misleading or deceptive belief. Impurity means uncleanliness. And the word to deceive is not just to deceive, but it's to deceive by using trickery or a bait or a lure. To deceive by using trickery. And Paul says that this ministry team, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, okay, their appeal to them did not spring from, did not come from, 
did not originate from error, impurity, or any trickery. And this is the opposite of being sincere. The word sincere is an antonym, okay, to these words used here in verse 3. Sincere means to be free from deceit. So to be sincere is to not try to deceive or use trickery. And Paul, Silas, and Timothy were, were sincere in their ministry to the Thessalonians. They had no intent ever to trick or deceive. Instead, they sincerely shared the gospel. Ephesians 4, again, is very applicable to what we've been studying. Verse 13 says this, Until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. The word cunning here means trickery or craftiness. And the word craftiness here by deceitful schemes means trickery involving evil cunning. And Paul says that's not what we do. That's not who we are as a church. To succeed is to not practice trickery, deceitfulness. Because the unity, remember the context of Ephesians 4, it's talking about the unity within the body. One of the things that unity within the body of the church creates is all of these new doctrines that pop up. It allows us to not follow them. Not to be carried about by every wind of doctrine. But to be unified is to be grounded. And to be grounded is to be in unity with each other. And that means that we are sincere. And we don't try to trick or deceit in our ministry. These are not foundational building blocks for a successful ministry. To be of error or impure or deceive, be cunning, craftiness, schemes, these are not fruits of the Spirit. And nor should they be anywhere near our ministry or your ministry. And we make the point again, according to 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 3, successful ministry involves sincerity. And thirdly, in verse 4, we see successful ministry denounces man-pleasing. Look at verse 4. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. Not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. Man-pleasing is when one seeks to adhere to man's wishes over God's. It is when the, the number one person being listened to, worshipped, 
and exalted is man, not God. Man-pleasing ministry is man-centered ministry. And if Paul and, and Silas and Timothy were man-pleasers, then when the Jews came to Philippi, and when the Jews came to Thessalonica chasing after Paul, wanting to kill him because he believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ, if Paul was a man-pleaser to the extent that we define it as, he would have said, you know what, you're right. This Jesus guy wasn't really the Son of God. Let's all just get along and believe he was a man who did a lot of good. And we can just kind of believe whatever we want to believe. But Paul didn't do that. Silas didn't do that. Timothy didn't do that. Why? Because they were not man-pleasers. They were trying to please God rather than man. In accordance with Acts 5.29 that says we must obey God rather than men. And why? Well, God is sovereign, not man. God is omnipotent, not man. God redeemed, not man. God did the redemptive work, not us. And it's God's word, not ours. So, who do you think we should go to to find out how we are to function in our ministry? We should go to the one who ordained ministry, the one who set it in place, the one who saved his church and set it aside for the work of the ministry. Now let's try to apply this a little bit to our walks. We think of this in light of two contexts. One, our church here at Crossroads Baptist Church. Second, your life. Your ministry. And I hope and pray that you don't deny Ephesians 4.12 that says the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. God has work for you. Ephesians 2 says that we are made spiritually alive. And in the last part of that section, it says for good works. The good works that he's set aside for us coincide with us presenting ourselves a living sacrifice in Romans 12 to fulfill Ephesians 4 12 where we're to do the work so think of your own life how is your ministry going the wrong thing would one of the wrong things we could do now is to say well everything's just kind of on hold right now right Everything is just kind of paused right now. May it not be so of our ministry. We can always be ministering. We can be boldly proclaiming the gospel of Christ, just like this ministry team did, amidst such conflict, being shamefully treated. We can, we can continue to proclaim the gospel. Second, we can be sincere. We can be sincere. Through this time. Your ministry. My ministry. Both as a, as a church. And individually. Must be sincere. 
I don't practice sleight of hand through ministry. And the Lord forbid that from ever happening. From a saint of God trying to trick people into something. We practice sincerity and we can be sincere at this time. You can be sincere at this time. And thirdly, we can be not seeking to please man, but to please God. How are you doing? Are you boldly proclaiming the gospel? Are you being sincere? And are you seeking to please God rather than man? And these are questions that we often have to ask ourselves. Successful ministry also, and lastly, requires love. Look at verse 7. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, love, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. Because you had become very dear of us. Because you had become very dear to us. Successful ministry requires love. Why? Well, 1 John tells us that God is love. And if we're to live out our lives in a godly manner that commands that we have love. In a successful ministry, your successful ministry, our successful ministry as a church, requires that we be loving. 1 Thessalonians 13 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind, does not envy or boast, it's not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way, it's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Christ redeemed his church for the work of the ministry. Christ redeemed you, believer, to partake in good works to prove your belief by your work of faith as we saw in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians, your labor of love. And your ministry, whether it succeeds or fails, is based upon what you use to build it upon, what you use to ground your ministry on. And may we 
hold fast to the biblical principles of what we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. Because we are called to be salt and we are called to be light. Every single one of us. And I want to encourage you, wherever you're at in this, this spectrum of, of yeah, my, my ministry is succeeding or I'm not doing so well. Wherever you, wherever you are, be encouraged and be challenged that whoever you are as a believer in Christ, as a repentant sinner, God has things for you to do that benefit the unity of the body of Christ as we see in Ephesians 4. And that just doesn't happen. That starts with doing the appropriate steps. And they're seen here in Ephesians 2. And may they be an encouragement to you. And may they be a challenge to you as you minister in your lives through this time of isolation. And as we minister both individually and corporately as a church in our community as we deal with these tragic events and the aftermath of them all. May you be encouraged and challenged by these words this morning. As I said before, I will post um, some notes that we've looked at already because there's a lot more that we couldn't get to this morning and I'll post those on our Facebook page. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Blessings to you on the rest of this Lord's Day.